We are back with another episode of Clotted Thoughts. We are picking up where we left off and finishing in the book of Exodus. And we will be moving on to the book of Leviticus after we finish today's uh, segment. So we're just going to get right into it, man. Just have a couple things that I want to give to you all today. And hopefully you can take them with you and just apply them to your life. Hopefully they can help you uh, with problems or things that you're dealing with in your life, man. And just give you a lot of insight on, on how God wants us to apply these things and how we can use them. But we're starting from Exodus 17, verse 2. And it says, So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? So it says, Again, the people complained about their problem instead of praying. It says, Some problems can be solved by careful thought or by rearranging our priorities. Some can be solved by discussion and good counsel. But some problems can be solved only by prayer. We should make a determined effort to pray when we feel like complaining. Because complaining only raises our level of stress. Prayer acquires our thoughts and emotions and prepares us to listen. That's what we can learn from that that small thing right there. And, uh the small scripture right there in uh, Exodus 17, verse 2. But we're going to move on to the next one. have a lot of uh, good ones today for you all. A lot of good ones today for you all. So this one is going to come from uh, Exodus 19, verses 9 through 11. And it reads, The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud. So that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Be and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes. Oh, I'm sorry. Have them wash them clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. Excuse me if I confused you all right there. But what is um, Exodus 19 verses 9 through 11 telling us? What can we learn from it? So it says Moses was told to consecrate the people. This meant getting them physically and spiritually ready to meet God. The people were to set themselves apart from sin and even ordinary daily routine in order to dedicate themselves to God. The act of washing and preparing to get their minds and hearts ready. When we meet God for worship, we we should set aside the cares and precautions of everyday life. Use your time of physical preparation to get your mind ready to meet God. So this is just teaching us how we can prepare to get our minds physically and spiritually ready to meet with God. Man. Let let that be a lesson learned. Apply that to your lives from Exodus 19 through 9-11. It is teaching us to get physically and spiritually ready to meet God. That is what we can take from that. But moving on, we're going to go to Exodus 20 verse 20. I told you I have a lot of things for you all today, so bear with me. It says, Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Mm. 
So what do we what what can we learn from this, you all? What can we all learn from this? It says throughout the Bible we find this phrase, do not be afraid. Now God wasn't trying to scare the people. He was showing his mighty power to the Israelites. He was showing his mighty power so the Israelites would know he was the true God and would therefore obey him. If they would do this, he would make his power available to them. Now this is it right here. It says God wants us to follow him out of love rather than fear. To overcome fear, we must think more about his love. In 1 John 4 verse 18, it says perfect love drives out fear. So so in that in that scripture, you know, God is telling us, you know, don't don't be uh afraid of me. Don't be don't be so uh, fearful of me, you know. He's not trying to scare us. You know, he was just, uh, he wants wants us to know that he is the true God and that we need to obey him, you know. And if we, and, and if we would do this, you know, he would make his power available to us. You know, and he wants us to follow him out of love rather than fear. You know, God wants us to love him, not be actually feared of him in a sense. But, um, you know, that is what he's telling us in that scripture. You know, think more about his love rather than, you know, the fear of God. Think more about his love. But moving on to the next thing. This is going to come in Exodus 23, verse 29. And just some more stuff that you can use and apply. And hopefully it can help you. But from Exodus 23, verse 29, it reads, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land will, will become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Now, what exactly does this mean? Well, we can learn from this scripture is that not all of God's solutions are instantaneous, nor does delay justify in action. In this case, God's cause will require constant cooperation, persistence, and effort by the Israelites. Success will come step by step. I'm going to read it again because God said, But I will not drive them out in a single year. But I will not drive them out in a single year. Because the land will be become desolate, desolate, and the wild animals too numerous for you. So what we can take from that, man, is, is God is just telling us, you know, just because um, things don't happen instantly for us, just because we have delay, um, just because um, God, it doesn't seem like God is doing anything, doesn't mean that uh, that, that he isn't uh, taking action on whatever it is that he's trying to do. Um, you know, he, he wants us to cooperate. He wants us to be persistent. And he wants us to have, you know, the effort, you know, Success is a process is basically what he's trying to tell us. Success is a process and it takes steps. It takes times. It takes different things uh, for us to do, you know, and apply in order to, um, you know, have success. So, you know, that's the biggest thing to take from that, man, is that um, even though God has the solution, you know, it doesn't mean that it's going to come instantly. You know, it doesn't mean it's just going to happen uh right when we ask for it or on command when we ask for it you know it's a process and and we he also requires us you know to to be like i say uh cooperative and persistent and show effort you know and um i think that's what we can take from that uh scripture right there but moving on this is from exodus 28 verse 23 
And it says, to all the skilled men to whom I have to to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration, so he may serve me as priest. Now, this is what we can learn from this. It says that the tailors who made Aaron's garments were given wisdom by God in order to do their task. Now listen to this. I want you all to take this in. All of us have special skills. God wants us to feel what well, God wants to fill us with his spirit so we can use them for his glory. Think about your spe special talents and abilities and the ways you can use them for God's work in the world. A talent must be used or it will be diminished. So God is telling us we all uh, have a task, you know, and, and we all have uh, special skills. We all have different talents and abilities that he's blessed us with. But it's up to us to, you know, um, use them in a correct way, you know, and do it in a way that's going to give him the glory. You know, do it in a way that's going to, uh, you know, help him uh, help build, you know, the work that he's trying to do in the world. You know, just do it in a way that he intends for us to do it. That's the way Aaron did, you know. You know, he gave uh, Aaron wisdom so that it, so that he can do his task. And, you know, that's the same thing we need to apply to our lives when we're doing something that God has called us to do. You know, uh, just understand, you know, we he, he's given us this skill set. He's given us this special ability. He's given us this special talent to go do the work, to go do his work in this world. And it's important that we use it and, and don't let it go to waste. You know, because God can take the gift away. He can take the ability away if you're not doing it for the right cause. So just just take that with you. Be very um, aware and, and, and understand that it's very important that you must use the talents that God has given you and use it in a way that can glorify his name. But moving on. Moving on. Couple more left, y'all. Got a couple more left. Maybe about eight or nine more. So from Exodus 29, verse 37. This is this is some good stuff right here. It reads, For seven days make an atonement for the altar and consecrate it. Then the altar will be most holy, and whatever touches it will be holy. Now from this, from Exodus 29, 37, it says, Notice the overwhelming emphasis on the holiness of God. It says the priests, the clothes, the tabernacle, and the sacrifice had to be clean and consecrated, which again, which means prepared to meet God. In contrast, today we tend to take God for granted, rushing into worship and treating him with almost casual disregard. But we worship the almighty creator and sustainer of the universe. Remember that profound truth when you pray or worship and come before him with reference and repentance. I think that's something that we can definitely apply to our lives right there. You know, God is is is, is basically telling us, you know, um just just don't rush into anything. You know, we can't take him for granted. You know, and like you said, we have to be consecrated. We have to uh get prepared spiritually and me mentally and physically, you know, to, to meet God. You know, that is basically what um was said in one of the last scriptures, you know, being constant uh created, getting ourselves prepared, getting ourselves prepared. Because a lot of us can rush into different things and we're not fully prepared. You know, we want to do these things, but God is saying, you know, you're not ready yet. I, I still have some work I need to do within you. And so, um I think we can 
definitely apply that to our lives and take that with us. And, you know, and just really learn from that. You know, just really learn from that right there. But moving on to uh, Exodus 45, I mean, 29 verses 45 through 46, excuse me. And this reads, did I skip a page? Yes, I did. It says, then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of Egypt so that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. Now, what is this saying? So basically, God's action and bringing the Israelites out of Egypt showed his great desire to be with them and protect them. Throughout the Bible, God shows us that he is not an absentee landlord. He wants to live among us, even in our hearts. Don't exclude God from your life. Allow him to be your God as you obey his word and communicate with him in prayer. Let him be your resident landlord. So this is basically telling us we need to let God live in our lives. We need to let God um, be a part of our lives. Let him be our landlord. Let him be our, our uh, you know, the, the, the one we go to to pay our dues and our rent and whatever those problems we have, you know. Let him be in our lives. Let him sit in our lives. Let him, you know, have action and be a part of, of this journey. You know, he, 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 like it says, he's not an absent Lord. He's never absent. He's never not available. You know, he's never not there. You can call upon God at any time in your life. You can call upon God at any time in our life. You know, he wants to be with us. He wants to protect us. He wants to love us. He wants to live among us. Let God be a part of your everyday life. Let him truly be you know the foundation of how your life is lived and how you do things and how you treat people just let God flow throughout your life and just watch the blessings watch how greater your life is watch how much more appreciative you are of everything you have in life man just let God truly be a part of your life but moving on to the next thing this is from Exodus 31 and this is pretty long Exodus 31 um, 1 through 11. So it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of her of the tribe of Judah. I pray I said their names right. I'm still a work in progress, y'all. But to continue on, it says, And I have filled them with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I have appointed, I hope I say his name right, Oholab, son of Ashamak, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony with the atonement cover on it, and all the other all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold left stand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil, oil and fragrant incense from for the holy place 
they ought to make them just as I commanded you. Now, I know I probably pronounced some names wrong in that, but like I say, I am a work in progress, and I am learning. I am learning, and I know I could just easily go uh, look up how to pronounce that name, but I like to challenge myself sometimes and, and see if I can, you know, just say these uh, different type of names. But um, what, what what can we learn from that, that long scripture right there? You know, what can we take, you know, from, from that long uh, scripture right there? So, uh, in Exodus, in Exodus 31 through 11, is that right? Yes, 31, 1 through 11, uh, God, he, God regards all the skills of his people, not merely those with theolog theological or ministerial abilities. Our tendency is to regard only those who are up front and in leadership roles. God gave Bezalel and Oholab spirit-filled abilities and artistic craftsmanship. Take notice of all the abilities God gives his people. Don't diminish your skills if they are not like Moses and Aaron. So God is saying regard, regardless of who you are or what position you hold or whatever you do in life, man, uh, you know, just take, 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 um, be proud of your abilities, you know. Take 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 pride in your abilities, you know. Just just be thankful and and, and truly just um be be take notice of the abilities you have, you know. Don't don't de don't delinquish or don't take away from the gifts or the skills God has given you because you are not at a certain um position or title like someone else is and you know you may know. You know, just be proud of the skills you have and use them to the best of your ability. You know, you still can can be helpful. You still can make change in this world. You don't have to be in a leadership role. You don't have to be at the top of the food chain. You don't have to be um, this this just well known name to to, to be um, skilled and use your skills and use your gifts, man. Just know that whatever level you are, whether high or low, um, you can still use your skills for a great cause and just use them to the best of your abilities. But moving on. Almost done, y'all. Almost done. We're going to uh, Exodus uh, 12 through 17. This is about the Sabbath. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he abstained from work and rested. Now what can we take, take from this? So it says, the Sabbath had two purposes. It was a time to rest and, to, and a time to remember what God had done. What God is telling us is that we need rest. Without time, without time out from the bustle, life, losses, life loses its meaning. In our day, 
as in Moses' day, taking time out is not easy, and I can agree to that. But God, God reminds us that without Sabbaths, we will forget the purpose for all of our activity and lose the balance crucial to a faithful life. So ultimately, God is saying, make sure your Sabbath provides a time of both refreshments and remembrance of God. So God is basically telling us, no, there's a time to work and then there's a time to rest. And we we have to be able to balance these two things out in life. You know, we don't need to overwork ourselves trying to get to this or that. You know, we don't need to do this or that. You know, just 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 take and, and learn from from this scripture, you know, what God is telling us. You know, it, it, it's time. It's, it's a certain time to do certain things. And it's a certain time to remember what what God has done. You know, we can't uh, overwork ourselves, overdo things because, you know, like it says, it, it, it starts to, um, you know, mess with our with our faithful life. You know, it, it messes with the balance between a, a faithful life. And, 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 you know, we have to be able to, to um, you know, refresh our bodies and also, you know, have that day where we can remember God. But... You know, this is just all about rest, you know, letting us know that we need rest and what the Sabbath is truly all about. But moving on to the uh, to the next thing. This is from Exodus 32, 1 through 10. And it says when the people this is about the golden calf and they're breaking the law. But it says when the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought up, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, "Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me." So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed to him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the, of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Af- afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I've commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have saved and have said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Oof. So they don't make the Lord mad. But this is all talking about idols. This is talking about us idolizing certain things. It says, it says, idols again. Even though Israel has seen the invisible God in action, they still wanted the familiar gods they can see and shape into whatever image they desire. How much like them we are. It says our great temptation is still to shape God to our liking. Mm. To make him convenient to obey or ignore. It says, God responds in great anger when his mercy is trampled on. Mm. See, you don't never want to make God angry. It says, the gods we create blind us to the love of our loving God 
wants to shower on us. God cannot work in us when we elevate anyone or anything above him. My question is, what false gods in your life are preventing the true God from living in you? See, God doesn't like when we put things above him, when we idolize things above him, when we worship things above him, you know, when we just put other things above him. You know, God is a jealous God. Understand that. And it is important that we, you know, always try to put God first. You know, and and these uh, these people, you know, in the verse, they were... Um, you know, they, they they were trying to shape God into their own liking, you know, to their own convenience. You know, and uh, God doesn't want us to do that. You know, he wants us to see him for him. You know, the love he, he has, and he wants to be able to, you know, give us that love as well. But when we try to make this own image of God and try to fit, fit him into our own narrative, you know, it, it can cause problems. And like you see, saw in the, uh, in the scripture, you know, God was upset and angry you know and that's something that we don't ever want god you know to be up with us is upset and angry so um the lesson we can learn from this is not to put things over god and not and and try not to make god into this version that we want to make him into so that he can um feel you know the desires of our heart you know let God be God and, and, and see him for who he truly is. Is what we can take from that. But moving on again. We're going to 30, Exodus 32. Stand in 32. We're going to verses 9 through 14. And this reads, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. Oh, we read this, yes. But I'll read it again. They are stiff-necked people. This is God talking about, you know, the ones who were idolizing this calf. He says, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against him and I may destroy them and then I will make him to a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Oh Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people who you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was, the e it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all the land. I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. So now we see from this scripture that God was he was ready to destroy the whole nation because of their sin. But Moses pleaded for mercy and God spared. Him. This is one of the countless examples in the Bible of God's mercy. Although we deserve his anger, he is willing to, to forgive and restore us to himself. Now, we can receive God's forgiveness from sin by asking him like like Moses. We can pray that he will forgive others and use us to bring them the message of his mercy. So this is a great example on how we can ask God for forgiveness. How we can go to him, you know, and plead for mercy. And he, and it shows that he is willing, you know, to, to just, you know, to do that for us. Just like he did with uh, Moses. 
he's willing to forgive and he's really willing to uh, restore, you know, us to himself. It's just a great example of showing us how we can receive God's forgiveness and, you know, how, uh, you know, he, he's able to, you know, just give us mercy. You know, just give us the mercy that sometimes we're not deserving of. But um, that's what we can take from uh, that scripture. And I think that's something we definitely can apply to our lives. But moving on, we're going to uh, Exodus 34, 6 through 7. This is the new stone tablets, but we're starting at 6 through 7, and it reads, And he passed in front of in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Now this is a good one. This is a good one. Because in this in this scripture, in this instance, Moses had asked to see God's glory back in uh thirty three Exodus thirty three eighteen. And this was God's response to that. Now what did Exodus thirty three eighteen say? Well let's let me just tell you all that. It says, Then Moses says, Now show me your glory. You know, he asked God to show him his glory. And now God has responded to that uh question. Now, what is God? What is God's glory? It is his character, his nature, his way of relating to his creatures. Notice that God did not give Moses a vision of his power and majesty and majesty. I'm sorry, but rather of his love. God's glory is revealed in his mercy, grace, compassion, faithfulness, forgiveness and justice. God's love and mercy are truly wonderful and we benefit from them. We can respond and give glory to God when our character resemble his. So this is a great, you know, if, if you ever um, had a question of what does God's glory truly mean, there's the answer right there. It is his character. It is his nature and his his way of relating to, you know, his children, the, his, his, his creatures, the things he have created. You know, and, and it is telling us how can we give God the glory? And we can simply do that by resembling his character. And what is his character again? I'm just going to repeat it one more time. His mercy, grace, compassion, faithfulness, forgiveness, and justice. Those, those are some characteristics of, 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 of what we can resemble so that we can give God the glory. So if you ever, you know, had the question of what God's glory is, there's your answer right there. There is your answer right there. But moving on. Going to Exodus 28 through 35. We are almost done, too, y'all. We're almost done. Going to Exodus 28 through 35. And it reads... Moses was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, 
So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a vow over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the vow until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Mm. Then Moses would put the vial back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Now this, understand this, it says, so in this instance, Moses' face was radiant after he spent time with God. It says the people could clearly see God's presence in him. Now this is a question to us all. How often do you spend time alone with God? Just ask yourself that. How often do you spend your time alone with God? And it says, although your face may not light up a room, time spent in prayer, reading the Bible, and meditating should have such an effect in your life that people will know you have been with God. This is great right here because that is a true statement. When you spend time in prayer, when you are uh, in God's uh, presence, when you are uh, meditating on his word, when you're reading the Bible, man, um, it is evident that people will be able to see God within you. And like like, like they, like they, it says here, um, it won't be noticeable to the point where your face is just lighting up like Moses. But your actions, uh, just the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you care for people, um, the way you live your life, man, uh, those are, are things that are evident that God is uh, within you and you have been in his presence and you have been, you know, just trying to um, just really uh, learn everything there is about God. You know, you just you your spirit becomes radiant. You know, your life becomes radiant. So we can take that from that scripture right there, man. You know, Moses was just an example. Of how spending time with with God can radiate our lives, you know we we can our light can shine. That we that's what I'm looking for. Our light can shine, man. When you get when you get in prayer, when you spend time with God, that is when your light can truly shine. But moving on, <clears throat> I believe this is yeah. We have a couple more from Exodus 35 to 26. It says, and all the women who were willing and had the skill spun. Spun the goat hair. I'm reading one more time. And all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. Now, I know this is small. And y'all, you probably like, what does this mean? Uh, this is when they were constructing the tabernacle. You know, they were working on the tabernacle. The materials for the tabernacle. And uh, in this instance, it says, those who spun cloth made a beautiful contribution to the tabernacle. Good workers take pride in the quality and beauty beauty of their work. God is concerned with the quality and beauty of what you do. Whether you are a corporate executive or a drug store cashier, your work should, ref should reflect the abilities God has given you. So in this instance, God doesn't, like I said in a while back, you know, a while back earlier when we were speaking about our gifts and abilities, God doesn't care what, what position you hold. Or what you do he's more uh, focused on you know how your work can reflect the abilities that he's giving you how your work can give him the glory how your work can um truly you know um 
glorify his name. You know, our gifts should glorify his name. Our, our gifts should, uh, when, we, when, our, when we use our gifts, people should see that God's work is being done through our gifts, is what I'm trying to say. You know, and it's not, like I say, it's not about, you know, the, the, the title you have or, or the type of work you do. It's just more so about, is your work ref reflecting God? Is your work giving God the glory? You know, is what what are you doing? You know, showcasing that God is 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 in your life. You know, are you working for God? Or who are you? What are you doing it for? Who are you doing it for? This is what we can learn from that. But moving on again, three, no, four more, y'all, four more. Bear with me. I know it's a lot. This is a long one. But bear with me. It's from Exodus 38, verse 21. And it says, These, this is the material used. More of the material used. It says, These are amount, these are the amounts of the material used for the tabernacle. The tabernacle of the testimony, which were recorded at Moses, command by the Levites on the direction of Edomar, Edomar, I believe, Edomar, son of Aaron the priest. So that scripture is telling us in building the tabernacle, Moses laid out the steps, but Edomar supervised the project. I hope I'm saying his name right. Edomar, he said, we all have different talents and abilities. God didn't ask Moses to build the tabernacle, but to motivate the experts to do it. Look for the areas where God has gifted you and then seek opportunities to allow God to use your, your gifts. So in this instance, like the last thing it said, God is is telling us, you know, look in the areas where you're gifted and then go find the opportunities. Go create the opportunities where you're going to be able to use the gifts that he has given you. You know, we all have different talents and abilities, you know, and, and it's important that we don't get in comparison to others. We're all uniquely gifted. We are uniquely talented. You know, God has gifted us. He's telling us. So it is up to us. To go out and, and look in the places, look into the things that we can use our gifts. And then once we find the places and the things we can use our gifts, go seek the opportunities. Go apply for the job. Go start the business. You know, just go do whatever it is God has called you to do and use your abilities that he has given you. That is what we can take from that scripture. Three more. Three more. This is from Exodus thirty-nine forty-two. And it reads, the Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord had commanded Moses. That's it right there. The Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord had commanded Moses. But what do we learn from this? What can we learn from this? It said Moses had learned his management lesson well. He gave important responsibilities to others and then trusted them to do the job. Great leaders like Moses give plans and directions while letting others participate on the team. If you are a leader, trust your assistants with key responsibilities. So this is talking all about leadership. And if you're in a position where you're in leadership, it is important that you have the trust and that you're able to give direction um, and plans out to, you know, whoever you may be working with and trusting them enough to, to get the job done. You know, it's, it takes a team. You know, uh, it takes a team. And if you're a leader, you know, it's important to be able to give others responsibilities and have the ability to trust in them as well. Because if there is no trust, if you can't trust anyone as a leader, 
you know, if you can't trust anyone as with responsibility as a leader, then honestly, I don't think you need to be leading. You know, great leaders, like it says, great leaders like Moses give plans and direction while letting others participate on the team. So don't feel like as a leader, you have to do everything by yourself. Don't feel like as a leader, you got to make everything happen. And no, that is why God puts certain people in our lives. That is why God calls people to different positions and gives people to different abilities. I mean, this is all just adding up at the end of the day with our abilities and, 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 and gifts and, you know, and just whoever positions uh, they have, whatever positions they have, or they may be in, you know, God is just really telling us how we as a team can, um, you know, make things happen. This is a, a perfect example of, you know, knowing your role, doing your role to the best of your abilities, um, understanding what you uh, have to do as a leader, understanding what you have to do, you know, as a uh as a assistant or a partner, you know, just just all the things we need to learn, you know, how um, to work to get, work together and, and and do God's work uh, together, and just really coming together to make the world a better place, man. You know, everybody has a role. That is what I'm trying to say. Everybody has a key responsibility. It's not about who who's leading. It's not about who who is at the lowest position, who's at the highest position, man. It's about everyone coming together. And, you know, and just doing everything to the best of their abilities and everyone trusting each other, you know, motivating each other, you know, and helping each other along the process, man. So I, that's something that we definitely could 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 apply to our lives and, and use more of and do more of in this world. But two more from Exodus 40, verse 16. It says, Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded. That's it, y'all. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded. This is setting up the tabernacle. So it says, God told Moses how to build the tabernacle. And Moses delegated jobs in order to do it. It says, God allows people. God allows people to participate with him in carrying out his will. Your task is not just to sit and watch God work, but to give your best effort when work needs to be done. Mm. Apply that to your life. Because we all can um, use that. You know, when, when God told Moses to build the tabernacle, Moses got straight to it. He didn't think twice about it. He didn't just sit and watch God try to do everything. He wouldn't took action. He wouldn't put his best effort forward. You know, and that's what God is asking for some of us. That's, that is what God is requiring with some of us, man. He He's not looking just for uh, people to participate, but he... More so, he wants us to not only participate, but to, to give our best effort and understand when God needs us to get his will done, it, it's our job, it's our duty to step into it and get the work done. You know, and that's what, simply what we can learn from that and how we, and we can apply that to our lives. You know, when God says it's time to get work done, when God is allowing us to participate in his will, man, we have to get up and do it. And we just can't expect God to do everything. You know, it's going to take our effort as well to, to make things happen. It's a team effort. It's a it's a team effort. So that's the biggest thing to take from that, man. Understand. When God said, when God says there's work to be done, get up and do it. And last thing from, from the book of Exodus. And we are going to be officially finished. 
This is from Exodus 40, verse 1. <laughs> then the Lord said to Moses, and like, what does this mean? Then the Lord said to Moses, it says Moses was careful to obey God's instruction in the smallest detail. Notice that he didn't make a reasonable facsimile of God's description, but an exact copy. We should follow Moses' example and be fastidious about our obedience. If God has told you to do something, do it, do it right, and do it completely. Now, I know that scripture all it said was, then the Lord said to Moses. But that's all Moses needed to hear. When the Lord says something, Moses moved. When the Lord says something, Moses took action. And he did it. He didn't think twice about it. And that's all the Lord, and that's all God is telling us. When he gives us instructions, even in the smallest of details, take action, you know, and do exactly what, what God is telling you to do. Do it right. Do it to the best of your abilities. And finish out the task. That is all for today, y'all, in the book of Exodus. You know, we're going to be moving to another book. Levitius, I believe, that's how you pronounce it. We're going to start there. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you all. I'm looking forward to seeing um, what that book can do for you all in your lives, man. And hopefully um, we're able to uh, gain, you know, just more things we can use and just really become instilled in God's word, you know, and just apply this stuff to our lives, man, because this stuff helps. This stuff helps. Um, it, it teaches us things. It, it helps us heal from things. It helps us overcome things. It helps us in, in, in many ways. You know, it helps us in ways that we may not even think it can help in. You know, it's just, it's the book of life. You know, it's the instructions of life. That is what the Bible is. And I'm just going to continue to give this stuff to you all. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a work in progress. You know, and every day I get on here, I truly get on here just wanting to help you all, whoever listens, you know, to the podcast, whoever listens to my segments. And I'm just know I'm trying to become better each day. You know, I'm trying to become better each day. And I just want to continue to spread God's goodness and his word and his love, man. But I love you all. I thank you all for tuning in. Um, I will see you all soon. Stay blessed. Um, go tell someone about God. And continue to be great.